Well, I'm thankful for Jesus, and, you know, we could have asked many of you just to come up and just to share a little bit of your story as to how you got to Antioch or how you got to Bryan College Station or what's it been, and each of you could probably write a nice little blog post that we actually would all want to read. Um, because what's great about God is that He actually makes us individuals, and at the same time when we come to Jesus, He then puts us in this family called the family of God. And every one of us has a God story. And so just before I jump into the message, I just want to encourage you. I don't know what your plans are tonight, uh, New Year's Eve, if, if, uh, if you're big on fireworks or, um, or if you're going to stay up and watch something, if you're going to spend time together as a family playing board games or, I don't know, go run around in the freezing rain or whatever happens tonight. Um, but, but, but whatever you do between tonight and tomorrow morning, I want to encourage you to at least take some time. You can take 20 minutes. And just by yourself, just get alone with God and just say, all right, Lord, I'm going to look back at the, last, at the last year, and I want you to remind me of just some moments in time where you showed up. Because what we don't want to do as a people is to take the hand of God for granted. We, we, we don't. We, we, we don't want to just go through life through the motions in a robotic sense and then wake up one day and say, well, I don't even know what happened. Man, that means that we missed, we missed something. We're not just supposed to make life mechanical. We're supposed to, life has experiences and has moments, and they're able to share just a couple of moments in their story in the last year, and each of us had those same things. And so I want to encourage you, recount some of the things. When you, when you say testimony, we're talking about how has God done something in your life and at work in your life, so then you can then be reminded of that, give him praise for that, give him honor for that, and then share that with someone else because it encourages them, right? Because most of us in the room, we, if we're all honest, um, even, even the most bold of us, if you hear that someone went to the grocery store and decided to take 30 seconds to ask the person checking them out, hey, can I pray for you today? What's something I can pray for you about? And someone shares a story with you in their life group, and the person said, well, yeah, my mom's really sick, or this thing's really happened, I'm going through divorce, and you get to pray for them right there. Don't you know that encourages everyone in the life group to say, hey, Maybe next time I'm at the grocery store, I could ask my person and just, how can I pray for you? Because testimonies are never meant just to be a single seed that stays there. It's meant to be something that actually grows, multiplies out, and then has, a, has, has an exponential impact on everybody else around you. You may say, well, man, God doesn't heal. And then all, all it takes is for someone to say, hey, you don't think God heals? That's great. Well, let me show you. I'm living proof of what happened. No surgery, no medicine did this, and look at what happened to my leg, or look what happened to this disease, or whatever else. And you're thinking, okay, well, i gotta, I got to rework through that one, right? So we have to remember that God is always at work, and he wants, to, he wants us to be a people that actually recognize that. Because I believe that when we recognize the hand of God, the hand of God just shows up more. Right? Why? Because he wants glory. Like, he wants glory, and we say, wow, look what God did. He just tends to do more stuff like that. But we're like, I don't want to look at that. Or that's, that's all me, right? That's why we should be hesitant as a people to take glory for ourselves, right? Man, I wish I could just talk to every professional football player and just say, hey, that's a great touchdown catch. <clears throat> but remember, God gave you hands and breath in your lungs right now to catch it. You could be dead, but you're alive catching the ball. So don't do your dance. Just catch the ball and then say, hey, great pass, quarterback. Where is that guy? 
Where's the guy going back to the quarterback and the lineman saying, hey, way to go, thank you. They don't do that, right? But if they're following Jesus and want to give glory to God, then they should. So us as people, we may not be scoring touchdowns on a Sunday, but in your work life, in your family life, when you have successes, man, let us be a people that say, I don't want that glory. Because if I take that, then I just take away from him. Let's be people that look back at 2017 and say, man, I want to give back to God everything he's given me, and then more. And then start off the new year saying, all right, Lord, I want to recount, I want to recount the things you're doing this year. I want, to, I want to literally write them down. I would encourage you to maybe consider, I don't know if you journal. I'm not a big journaler. My wife's a big journaler. We have tons of journals. I mean, years of journals that she just goes through, <clears throat> okay? I'm, I'm a little slower. I do journals, just it's, instead of nine pages, it's like half, okay? So, um, but, but, but there is a journal, okay? It just takes me a lot longer to actually fill one up, all right? So that also may be a guy-girl thing. I don't know. But, um, but, you know, my wife is so good about recounting the things that God's doing. And I want to encourage you in 2018, if you don't do journals, you can still go buy one. Go buy one, start the new year, and say, you know what? I actually want to record what God does in my life this year. Maybe it's just once a week in your time with God in the morning. You say, hey, it's every Saturday morning. I spend 15 minutes, and I just record what God did that week. And it's every Saturday. You just put it in your calendar. Every Saturday morning, I read the word and I recount what God did this week because I don't want to forget. What if you started doing that? What if you then looked back next year and you had 52 weeks worth of recounting, man, I remember what God did every week of my life this year. And then you can say, hey, life group, can I switch it up, life group leaders? I'm just going to read my journal for the next hour. And what you're going to see happen is that faith is just going to go like this. It's just, and it's going to be explosive. People are like, whoa, God did all that? And then you're going to say, yeah, and did all that for you too. You just forgot. Right? Don't let us be a people that forget what God's doing. Let's be a people that record the things of God. All right, on to the message. Here we go. I want you to turn your Bibles to Colossians 1, 15 through 20. This is actually going to be quite a short message. Um, but that's okay, because short and sweet is sometimes better. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I'm going to read through it, then we'll go back through it in just a moment here. This is Paul writing a church. Um, or, I'm, I'm sorry, Paul writing a letter um, to, to the Colossians, to the people there. And he says this in verse 15, talking of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, this is a powerful little passage here describing who Jesus really is. And I want to unpack it for you verse by verse here, all right? So let's go to verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Do you remember in John 14, 9, Philip was kind of, questioning Jesus, and Jesus said back to Philip, hey, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's a powerful statement. These people have been waiting for thousands of years. They want to see God. 
right? Moses was even tucked behind, behind a rock when the glory of God passed by him, when he got the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, right? And you go for thousands of years, they're waiting for the Messiah. Jesus shows up, and Jesus is interacting with his disciples, and for a long time, they didn't really know who he was. They just thought he was a nice, great leader. They didn't realize he actually was the Son of God until later on. So Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why we can always say, I just want to be like Jesus. Because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God. Jesus is reflecting God's nature here on earth, right? We actually have the person of Jesus who lived and breathed with us on the same planet about 2,000 years ago. And he is showing us what the Father is like when it comes to interacting with all sorts of people, interacting with the Father that's how we can know how to live. We look at Jesus. It says, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, just for clarity, Jesus was not born at the beginning of creation. Jesus already existed, right? When the world was being formed in Genesis 1, it was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all present helping to shape creation. It wasn't that Jesus was just born when Mary came on the scene, right? Jesus came born here on the earth, right, in flesh here through Mary. Yes, we talked about that over this last series. But Jesus was here in the beginning, the firstborn of all creation. And when you think about the firstborn, think about in royalty in the lines of kings, the firstborn, like the king's son per se, the firstborn actually gets all the rights and the position and the privileges of the king. They actually get to inherit all of those things. Jesus inherits. He is known as the king of kings, which means Jesus is the ultimate ruler, the ultimate king, the firstborn of all creation. In verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. I was reading through a commentary this past week in one of the writers said this about this passage. They said, I sum it up this way. Jesus is the goal of creation. Jesus is the goal of creation. Jesus is the goal. Because everything's created by him and for him. Meaning that everything that is created is meant to give honor and praise to Jesus. That's actually creation as well. Right? It actually says in the scriptures multiple different times, speaking of creation, whether it be flowers or animals or trees, that everything is pointing, everything is pointing towards praising towards God, that God created all of it, and all of it is meant to then give praise back to him. So let me ask a question. What if Jesus was your goal this year? Right? Now I know all the advertisements are going to not have that on their main deal. Buy this because Jesus is your goal. No, you can't sell that, right? No, they're going to be selling pairs of shoes. We're all going to say, hey, let's go get them, because then if I get new shoes, I'll actually run, right? Or, hey, you can sign up free at this gym today, only today, but they'll extend it for another three weeks. I need your membership, you know. There's all sorts of things. You'll be vying for your affections and your attention and your goal setting, and goal setting is really good. But I want to challenge us today with this, that what if we made Jesus the goal? What if we made Jesus the goal? This year, in 2018. Um, because a lot of times, goals are centered on our human effort. 
right? And so we're not saved by our human effort, are we? No, the Bible says clearly that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not saved by our effort in Jesus or by our good works or good attitudes. We're saved by the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus on the cross, his death and resurrection. That is the salvation. When you put your faith and trust in that, that is how you're saved. Therefore, what if we set goals in the way of saying, we're going to put Jesus first, he's going to be the goal, and everything else will then flesh out from there, right? If Jesus is the center of it. So let's talk about, I don't know, let's say you have a goal of exercising, right, which is going to be half our country. Okay, so this is applicable, right? So you have a goal to get in shape, right? So your goal can either be human effort-centered, as in if I just work out seven times a week, and if I just do this, and just have a buddy system, and if I just do that, and wake up here, and all that. And that's great, you know? And, and you may have a lot of, of, of human endurance and, and willpower to actually will that one through. But let me spin it a little differently. What if instead of you saying, um, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to run laps on the track, and I want Jesus in the stands cheering me on every time I see him, each lap I come around, hey, Jesus, hey, good job. Glad you're doing, okay, I'll be right here. And then you keep running, your human effort, oh, look at me, I'm running. Hey, Jesus, still running. All right, good job. Right, and you see Jesus about every two minutes or three minutes, depending on how long it takes you to do that quarter mile, right? And so you see Jesus, and he's, he's still there, and he's cheering you on. So that is one mentality to have with, with goals, right? Or you can say, instead of Jesus sitting in the stands cheering you on, why don't you run behind Jesus? Because Jesus has actually run the race you're trying to run. He's actually endured everything you're enduring and will endure in your life. Pain, suffering, death, celebration, tragedy, right? Poverty, not having a home, not getting to eat for a long time or drink water for at least 40 days. Living in a desert. Not many of us have done that. Some have, right? Jesus has actually endured and experienced everything, which means, and he came out gloriously. So instead of having Jesus over here, hey, Jesus, all right, I'm going to hit you up for about a 60-second prayer before my math test. Just kind of go along for the ride with me. That'd be real nice. All right, Jesus is over there. I did that. Sweet. All right. Take my math test. I didn't do so good. Jesus, did you not hear me? Right? Or I did really well. Hey, thanks, Jesus. Cool, man. But really what we're doing is we're tipping our hat to Jesus. Right? Christianity is not tipping the hat to Jesus. Uh, th thanks, Jesus. Uh, I'm, I'm a little busy, but I'll hit you up later. Uh, I'm kind of pressed for time. Kids are crying, Jesus. Don't you see that? Can't, I don't really have time for you. I can't really acknowledge you right now. I'm just trying just to get it through. Now, listen to you. I've got four kids. Um, my entire family got hit with the flu. We had lots of sickness. My wife has it right now. It's pretty bad. Uh, it's been a long week. I'm not sure how I've escaped the whole thing up to this moment, but it's been a long week, right? Not so uh, vacation-y. There's been other things going on in our lives, and so it's been quite this stressful week. So I have the choice to make, which is to uh, take a sleeping pill and forget that I have kids and just sleep through the morning and just hope they are alive around 11 o'clock in the morning because dad needs to get a Z's in, right? Or I can choose to get my rear end out of bed at 5 a.m. even though my back hurts, my body's aching, the house is a wreck and I'm trying to be super dad and to say, Jesus, I need help today. 
I actually need help every day, but sometimes when you're hitting the hard place, you, you're like, oh, yeah, really need Jesus today, Amen. right? And can I just say that Jesus loves to draw near based off our hunger and our desperation. But if you've positioned your life in a way to say, I actually don't need him, I need the kind of Jesus I can tip my hat to, then he'll be that kind of Jesus for you, which just means he'll be distant, won't really be present in your life. Because Jesus says, I'm going to draw near to you, but you also got to draw near to me. I'm not just going to come invade your space all the time. I'm going to say I'm right here. If you're hungry, come and I'll feed you. But I'm not always going to chase you down. And sometimes God chases you down, and sometimes those things happen. But I want you to be clear with this, that if we make our goal Jesus and not our goal either stuff, and if we say, Jesus, would you lead me into the ways of actually having a healthy lifestyle? Jesus, would you lead me in a way to eat better? I know my whole family, we eat this kind of food, and that's messing me up, and I've got some health issues and stuff. But Jesus, I need your help. I can't just read another book or a self-help manual. I need Jesus to be the center of my nutrition. So Jesus, what do you say about what we're eating? Because if you get your heart and mind changed about what you're eating, you actually don't care what all your friends are doing. Because there's such a core conviction that is there from God that you say, I'm going to live this way no matter if everyone else is doing this. I don't care. It doesn't bother me, right? We have to be a people that actually live by the word of his mouth. We live by Jesus. And if Jesus says exercise three times a week, then get up and do it. It doesn't matter if your buddies are going to do it or not. They all build on you. Great. It's your turn to exercise, right? If Jesus says, this is a year for you to read a couple of books, get back into reading and different things, then make it happen. Jesus, I need you to help me fulfill that commitment. And it doesn't mean we don't need community. It doesn't mean we don't need people in our lives or accountability. It does, but that can't be the focal point. Jesus has to be the goal for us. In verse 17 it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know, oftentimes that phrase is kind of used in sports, like he's the glue for the team, or he really makes the team gel, the quarterback, or this, that, and the other. Or, you know, in the family realm, right, we talk about, hey, like the dad a lot of times, the mom is kind of the glue there for the family. Or you may have just seen a bunch of relatives, and there's kind of like one uncle or one grandpa that kind of, kind of rallies the troops, you know, without him there. It's kind of like big, big papa's really not the house, so everyone's kind of arguing, but he steps in, everyone kind of gets quiet and kind of gathers around, you know, starts treating each other a little, a little, a little nicer maybe. Whatever it is, we had this concept of like someone kind of pulling people together. And for us, Jesus is that glue. Jesus is pulling us together. He's the one that is leading us, right? And it says in, the, in, in verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. If you remember, Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 actually wrote about the body of Christ. So there's many members, but one body, right? Meaning that in this church, we want to go after it physically, that it's like, hey, someone's a finger and a foot. Someone got the nose. Someone got the ear. Someone's one of those eyebrows. You know, you can be that person. But if you look at it that way, you've got the body of Christ that plays different roles, right? And we look at some of those roles as lesser than sometimes or whatever. But Paul makes it clear, no, 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 no. Every role has a part to play. Some may, more, some may get a little more airtime. Some may be a little more visible right? But if you've got great skin without a heart pumping, forget about it. You can't see the heart, though. I can't see any of yours, right? I can't see any of your brains right now. Without your brain and heart, none of this is working. 
We see the hands are flashy, the nails, ladies, paint the nails, good. We see the haircuts. We see that. We see the external stuff a lot of times, and that's fine. But what I want you to know is that in the body of Christ, there are things that we see and that we don't see. And yet, they pull the whole body together. In this church, there are people that you see, like me, or Mitchell, or Kaylin, or others, and there's tons of people you don't see. That without them, this church isn't functioning. We're not a functioning body. So I never want you to put someone on a pedestal, and that includes me. I don't want you to put me on some pedestal that I don't belong on. Jesus belongs on a pedestal. All of us bow down to him. Every person on the staff does not belong in a pedestal. If you're, it doesn't matter what your age is. You don't belong in a pedestal. Jesus does. All of us get to get around Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do, coach? <laughs> what part do you want me to play, Jesus? I'm in. Show me where to go, what to do. It's not about your name. It's not about what you've done in life because without God, you'd be nothing. So there's no one that's big time around here, just to make that clear. Jesus is big time. We are small time. And we live in a mid-sized town. So mid-time, if you want to call yourself that. All right? But Jesus is it. Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the head of the body, which means he is the leadership. He's giving the directions. He is the authority for this church. Verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I love that statement. All, not some. All, the fullness of God, the creator of the universe, God, our Father, put in Jesus the wisdom, the power, the love, the glory of God dwells in Jesus. Let's not forget who Jesus really is. Fully man and fully God. Verse 20, it says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, the blood of the cross is what paves the way for peace. If we want peace in our world, there's only one way to get it. <laughs> it's through Jesus. Honestly, I think all the attempts of diplomats and governments around the world, whether it's peace in the Middle East or something in South America or our own country or Africa or some sort of nation deal, Here's, here's what I know. Those things may last for a little while, but they're really short term. Jesus, um, that's only thing that actually endures through time, seasons, and cultures. I mean, when people come to the cross and they apply the forgiveness of Christ to other people they've just gotten, that's a game changer. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about forgiving you and then give me a little bit of kickback money on the side for some government aid here. I'm talking about true forgiveness, which is there's no strings attached because that's what forgiveness is. It is, I'm giving it to you. It's not because you've worked for it. It's because I've given it to you. The forgiveness of Jesus is it is given to you. And if anyone's in this room this morning and you feel like I've got to earn it, you've missed it. That's not, that's a different religion. <laughs> this, this is a relationship with a God that comes through Jesus. Jesus says, if you want forgiveness, I will give it to you, but you got to come to me. That's it. That's the only part of the deal. You got to acknowledge he is the only one that can dish it out to you. Not anyone else. That's the only work side of, the, of, of, of us is really just coming to him. That's it. He's done all the work. It's just saying, Jesus, I'm here and I'm available to you. So I want to stand as we close today because um, I, I, I wanted to, to end this year preaching on Colossians 1 just real briefly. 
And I encourage you to go back and read through it because it just, it captures who Jesus is and it reminds us. And some of these passages, some of these verses to you may have stuck out, some didn't, may, but uh, here, here's what I want you to know. Um, Jesus has to be our goal this next year. He, he has to be our goal. Like, you, you can't have other goals you're prioritizing, even for your business. You're in business, you work for a secular company, or you're employed somewhere, make Jesus your goal. You may not be the CEO, but you work there. Make Jesus your goal, which means everything that you do for your customers, for the bottom line, for the products, you're saying, Jesus, I want you at the center. I want you at the center. How do I treat my customers? I want you at the center. Jesus, give me the lens to let me see through your eyes to see my own customers. Jesus, let me see through your eyes to see my professor. You've got roommates and maybe it's a little challenging. Jesus, let me see my roommates through your eyes. When Jesus becomes the goal, when he becomes the priority, all of a sudden everything else changes. Several years ago when I was in the training school, um, a, a speaker came and shared this little phrase. It's always stuck with me. That's what she said. She said, um, if you're ever feeling off-centered in your life, it probably means you're not cross-centered. And her point was this, is that when you start doing things in life not centered on Jesus, you just start to get off just a little bit. And I feel that maybe some in here, as Mitch alluded to earlier, you know, we're all sheep. But we, maybe we did something stupid this year. Maybe we got hurt in some way. But if you're just, just a little off, over time you just get a greater distance there. And you may feel just a little off right now, but if that continues in a three or six months, you're going to feel way far away. And so I just want us to take a moment right here as we end our time. I just want everyone just to close your eyes just for a moment. And I just want you to ask Jesus right now. He's here with us. Just ask him, Jesus, is there anywhere that I'm off? Simple question. Jesus, is there anywhere that I'm off? Just ask him the question, then just be silent. Just try to listen. He may give you a picture in your mind. He may speak to your heart may kind of give you some sort of gut feeling or just some sort of thoughts or words or scripture or memory may come to mind. God knows how to speak to us differently all at the same time. He's big enough for that. So Jesus, is there anywhere where I'm off? If he highlights an area for you, I would just encourage you to ask him for help. If he says, hey, you're off in this area of life, just say, Jesus, I just, would you help me? Some of us, we just need help. We don't know what we're doing. And some of you just may have gotten a thought and it's just something you need to repent of. Jesus saying, yeah, this is where you're off. And it's more of a correctional thing for you. And you just got to humble yourself. And I just want to encourage you, we're going to sing this song. If you just need to take time right here, just between you and Jesus, right here. We're not going to have a prayer team up here this morning. It's going to have you just before him. I want you to end this year with Jesus, and I want you to begin this year with Jesus. We just want to come clean our hearts before him as we end this year, so that anything from this year, we just leave it behind. Leave it behind. So, Lord, you come. Just minister to us, Lord, as we worship. Jesus, just speak to us. Again, you can ask him for help. You're going to repent of something and say, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> you changed me. But we just want to invite Jesus to come and minister to us right now. In Jesus' name.